Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders and businesses sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. I'm your host, James Bell, and I am excited to share this two-episode bonus series highlighting the third cohort of the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program. We'll call it GORP from here. In these two episodes, you'll hear an update from Phil Shellhammer, who is the Director of Business Incubation for the Office of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the University of Arkansas and is responsible for GORP. Also, several co-founders from cohort three of GORP will share about their companies and their experiences in the program. Let's get started. Okay, I'd like to introduce you to Brent Robinson, who's founder of Greenway Bike Company. Brent, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Hey, fantastic. Brent, what would you like our audience to know about you? Uh, I think it's important for people to know that I am an Arkansas native. And uh, very early on, I was a mountain biker. Um, as most uh, uh, Arkansas kids, I think, I reached the point where I needed to get out of Arkansas. So after I graduated from uh, college in 92, I went to a lot of great places, Atlanta, um, Denver, San Francisco, before I boomeranged back here. The whole time, though, I was a mountain biker. I got my first bike at High Roller Cyclery back in 89. I uh, used to, in between classes, go up on Markham Hill, and everywhere I've gone, I've always ridden a bicycle. But then I moved back here, 2005, started my own business around 2010, and I put everything into that, and I stopped running, I stopped riding, uh, you know, I gained a lot of extra weight that I didn't need. And when the COVID hit, I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And for me, that was very unhealthy with all those other things. I was going to end up on a respirator and not leave the hospital. So I decided I'm going to eat right and I'm going to start riding my bike. So I went and got these great bikes that I had out in the garage and I rode them and I'm huffing and puffing and pushing up hills and I'm hating every single second. of it. So I decided there's got to be something I can do here to get riding again. I, I'm missing out on this. So I started researching e-bikes. And the, the journey that I took there is what is how I ended up starting Greenway Bike Company. That's so cool. Well, I got to tell you, um, I, I'm hearing some themes here that sound familiar. Uh, give yourself a break for leaving in 92 uh, because there wasn't <laughs> a lot to do in 92 uh, in Arkansas at that time. I don't know if the license plate had changed yet, but it was very close to the time period where the license plate changed from the land of opportunity and the punchline might as well have been there was none to the natural state, and it absolutely was the natural state, and now those should be combined. It should be the land absolutely. of milk and honey. Things have really changed. I, too, went to some other places, New Orleans, Nashville, Denver, uh, and uh, oh, Chicago in between there, then to Memphis, and, and finally to here, and I'm never leaving. And more lately, I've oh, become no, a little sedentary, so this I'm, sounds familiar. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're never leaving. So, yeah, give yourself a break for leaving. You came back. You left for, for the right reasons at the time, and you came back to an incredible uh, place. You know, what's been the most challenging part of building a bike, an electric bike company or making bikes electric? Maybe you can tell us a little bit okay, more about yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, so what we do is we have kits, these yeah. conversion kits that we use and you, you replace the bottom bracket of the, of the bicycle and you put a pedal assist motor on it. So now a person can get on their bike that they love and they can ride it. And, uh, you know, they'll have pedal assist as they, as they, move along. So that's it. 
Now, this isn't something that's new. We didn't invent some crazy new technology. These are kits that have been around for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but the latest technology and other things in this do-it-yourselfer community, it's just, it's hard for, you know, to get in there and do it if you, unless you're just a, you know, a, a ranch head or something like that. Yeah. So we've, we found a way that we can start to offer those services and present those kits to people in, in ways that they can utilize them. Oh, that's very cool. So what's, what's been the hardest part about building your company? The hardest part has really been, um, you know, for me, it's just been putting my idea out there. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, you know, uh, the way I started, like I said, I was, I was overweight. I said I needed to do something. I had to change and start getting, you know, healthier again. So I converted my bike. My son and I, we converted our bikes. And I started, you know, I started feeling better, sleeping better, sleep apnea wasn't bothering me, all these other things. And I started telling everybody about it. Then all of a sudden they were like, well, I got this cool bike in my garage. Can you do that for me? So my son, Maddox and I, we kept, we started converting bikes and convert bikes till somebody said, hey, there's this builders and backers idea accelerator, which is Heartland Forward. Um, and so I got into that. And so seriously, it was terrifying. That was the hardest part was to get in there and say, hey, I have this idea. What do y'all think? Um, things went well in that program. So it kind of got my little idea to the, we should start a company phase. And then that's how, uh, you know, I ended up meeting Phil was as a result of that and becoming a part of the GORP program. Yeah, both of those are uh, fantastic programs uh, for the audience. Builders to backers is an idea stage uh, accelerator. I have an idea. I don't know where to get started. You join builders and backers. And then when you have a um, outdoor recreation oriented uh, solution, then you come over to court, the Greenhouse Outdoor Recreation Program, which even though it has the University of Arkansas in front of its name, is very much a community facing program uh, that you can join. You get a little cash, you get a little, uh, a lot of help, and they surround you with mentors and programming Absolutely. And, and so on to help you accelerate along to the next phase of the company. So how's GORP going and what's been the most beneficial part so far? Well, there's a lot of beneficial parts. One, Phil's amazing. So that's pretty cool. He's connected us with so many different mentors and the people who, who from the community, you know, from the university all the way up to business people across the NWA. Um, you know, I've got some, some fantastic mentors. Networking. I mean, I've met so many people from, from just the introductions and, and then um, the cohort, the, the group of people that, you know, you're also interviewing. Uh, I learned so much from them every single day. It's really amazing. That's cool. Well, we've been uh, interviewing all of your uh, cohort members, and I'm I'm hearing some pretty similar themes here. This is, this is great. I love it. Uh, what's the next most important milestone that that you need to achieve, and how could our audience help you if if uh, that's possible? Okay, so uh, for me, it's like I've been going through the big challenge. I guess really kind of going back to you know. I have so many ideas. A lot of mm -hmm. founders have this problem. Yes. So I want to do everything from converting somebody's bike to doing workshops, which we got to test in builders and backers, to um, how do you scale this into a franchise and how do you do manufacturing and all these other things. So, um, you know, being able to kind of focus uh, on, on just the first part of that, which is I have a trailer right now that mm -hmm. I'm about to, that I'm about to uh, have it wrapped and everything. So I can start doing workshops throughout Northwest Arkansas. Nice. Um, and I'm putting up a website so we can start selling kits to do-it-yourselfers. Uh, two things. One, find us. We're at um, greenwaybikeco.com. You can buy a kit or you can sign up for, uh, for one of the workshops that we'll be doing throughout the summer. 
Excellent. I refer to that problem of having all the ideas and not knowing what to do to it as the great founder's idea affliction, uh, because it is present with every founder and it's how do you get it under control and point it in a direction? It sounds like you're doing that. So congratulations. Hey, it takes a, it takes a village, man. It takes a lot of folks to be able to say, cool idea, stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I've got one last question for you. Uh, Brent, uh, one of the hallmark questions on this show is what I like to call the hashtag because Bentonville question. So could you share with us a moment or a story that really is hashtag because Bentonville. It could only happen here or it describes the essence of this place. Okay. All right. I'm going to do a compare and contrast. Okay. When I lived in California, I lived in San Francisco and you, there was some great mountain biking there. Okay. Amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but if you wanted to leave the office and take off and go do that, I'd have to ride across a ferry boat and get to Marin County and do all this other stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, about, I guess it was about, uh, 10 years ago when I was at Collective Bias, Amy Callahan started the company. We used to go uh, bring our bikes and then at lunchtime, just take off and go over to Slaughter Pen, get to ride the trails a little bit, come back, a little bit sweaty, but uh, go right back to work. You could only do that in Bentonville. Absolutely. And wow, that's just grown, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, I talked to some folks who, uh, you know, live in Bella Vista and sometimes will ride to work, which includes they have to go through the slaughter bin trail system, will ride from Bella Vista to Bentonville and basically do it on trails, which is pretty amazing. Can I put my Fayetteville plug in there? Yeah, go for it. Oh, I, I, so my office is downtown Benton, uh, Fayetteville on Dixon Street, and I live over by Gully Park. Yeah. And with the trail systems that we have now, when I first started doing it, I you know was out of shape. Three miles killed me. Yeah. Now I'll do nine miles in and then I'll pedal assist my way in so I don't sweat. And then on the way back, I'll go around the trails, the single tracks on Lake Fayetteville and then go back to my house. So I'll end up doing 22 miles in a day. Yeah. It's good exercise. Yeah. I mean, this whole area has really blown up with mountain it's biking, amazing. whether it's Bentonville, Fayetteville or any, anywhere in between. And now, you know, with the Greenway, nice tie to your company, by, by yeah, the way. Can you believe uh, that that yeah. domain was amazing. available? Uh, <laughs> you, you have the ability to really go from, you know, Bella Vista to Bentonville, all the way down to Fayetteville and all points in between Rogers, Springdale and so on. It makes for an amazing uh, community uh, that we live in. So, hey, thanks, Brent. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Let me introduce you to Alex Husing, who is the co-founder of CloudPad. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be on. Yeah, you bet. Well, what should the Bentonville Beacon audience know about you? Well, I don't think I have a particularly unique story. Um, I moved to Bentonville about a year ago for Walmart, and um, I had already known that I would love it because I was lucky enough to have visited a couple of times for business beforehand. Okay. But since moving out here, I've just been fascinated by the community and how much there is to learn, specifically in the retail space. So I had moved here from San Francisco, where um, surrounded by all these different tech startups and all this culture of, you know, um, finding the next big thing, it felt like you were the center of the world, right? And then you move out here and you realize there is this completely unknown center for retail. It's like the best kept secret, in my opinion. Um, and I feel like I've just been learning so much since. But um, in terms of what Alex is interested in. Um, I think the most important thing in the last two years that I found that really made me happy was rock climbing. I can still remember the first time I went 
climbing, um, it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like the fear and adrenaline just hooked me instantly. And I've just have never really been able to think about any other hobby or any other pursuit since. Um, and so working at Walmart, seeing retail, and then having this like passion for climbing, um, the dream is to build something that you know, can make climbing a part of my life every day. Um, I started pretty late, so I'm probably not going to be one of those athletes who pushes the sport forward myself. But, um, you know, with what we're trying to build, I think we can find tools and find ways to push the sport further and be a part of that progress. So that's what I'm most excited about. And it's been really cool in Bentonville finding all these different support networks to help make this vision a reality. That's cool. I mean, well, you mentioned starting late. I mean, really, it sounds like uh, potentially you're making climbing more accessible for folks as well by creating tools to make it better and easier. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can help more folks just like you and me <laughs> get started. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if I get started climbing. <laughs> well, I think uh, I can take you outside sometime. There's some really beautiful spots out here. And, there are. Um, I can't guarantee you'll be hooked, but I can guarantee you'll be scared. So, hey, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. Uh, can you tell us then about Cloud pa- uh, Cloud Pad? What's the uh, problem that yeah. you're solving? Who are you solving it for? And uh, how are you doing it? Or, or give us an idea about what's going on. At yeah, least. I. Um, so, I think a good way to start answering that question is by just giving a little bit of background mm-hmm. on, you know, the different disciplines of climbing, Yeah, um, which just to plug was recently an Olympic sport. So hopefully this is becoming That's more right. common knowledge, but in general, you can break up climbing into basically two general types. There's sport climbing where people are using a rope to get up a really big wall. Um, so they're tied into that and maybe they're using a partner or even a machine. Um, but the idea is if they fall, the rope is going to catch them somehow. The other main discipline is bouldering. And so in that, you're climbing these short, but typically very challenging routes where if you fall, you have some sort of soft pad underneath you to help catch you and, um, you know, prevent injury that way. Mm -hmm. So um, we're trying to build a product to help boulders get outside. Right now, the the, basically the portable mattress that you lug around with you outside if you want to go bouldering it's called a crash pad and it follows the exact same design since it was first made commercially available in 1992, which is a dense, like dual density foam um, pad that you lug around on your back. And they're actually quite expensive. So mine is uh, three feet by four feet and only about eight inches thick and it runs for $200. So we want to build a smarter boulder pad because we know that there's a better way to do it. Um, our hope is that by making a product that's both safer and more affordable, you can prevent injuries. You can get more people to be excited about going outside and, you know, going on these incredible outdoor experiences that just, they add add so much focus and clarity to your life. So that's our vision. Um, and that's the problem we're trying to solve and the customer that we're trying to reach. Excellent. That's very cool. You, You made me think about the, uh, the boulder that just appeared one day behind the 8th Street Market. Oh, yeah. Well, it's... <laughs> Have you been climbing that? <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that. Um, I am. And it's... it. The really funny thing about that is, um, you know, a really important part of 
starting a company is doing intense customer research. <laughs> and I was so certain, like no one is crazy enough to just buy a boulder pad without at least going to the gym first. And they put that boulder up. And one of my coworkers immediately went and bought a boulder pad. And he's like, I'm outside. Do you want to join me during lunch? That's great. And I've never met someone who just jumped headfirst into it like my buddy did. Um, I was so proud of him. So I'm very excited about that boulder. It is, uh, if anyone has a chance to stop by, I'd highly recommend it. And you don't need a boulder pad to climb it. He went a little bit overboard there. You can save the money. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, that's one of those things that I call hashtag because Bentonville. Yeah. We'll ask for a story or, around that later. But uh, yeah, that just made me think about the 8th Street Market Boulder all yeah. of a sudden, which is basically right behind our office. Uh, so I guess I need to go climb it. Yeah, it's, you know, um, every journey begins with a step. So yeah, <laughs> it could be exactly yours. Right. Or a fall. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk to me about uh, GORP. How did y'all get into the program? Why did you join it? What's going on with it? Yeah. Well, I think when you start a company, there's um, there's so much uncertainty and there's so many challenges. And so GORP is um, a phenomenal program run through the University of Arkansas that just, um, it gives you a good structure, first of all, for approaching and learning some of the challenges that are inevitable along the way of starting a company. But really, the most important thing it provides is just this social support network of peers, meaning other startup founders of experts, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the director, Phil, mentors from the university who've been helpful to me. And um, even in some instances, pairing us with students who have helped us build this vision. Um, and frankly, the energy they bring is as important as anything. So the GORP's a phenomenal program, but it's so hard to communicate what it's done for our company just by listing off, you know, the resources and the lessons that they provide. Um, the social support, it just turnkeys, like, it just, I was blown away at how quickly things started moving because of the community that they've built. Um, and it's really exciting to be a part of that community now. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, again, you know, as I said uh, with somebody else earlier, there's a fly in the studio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It joined us from outside. It's okay. Um, it wants to be part of the community. That, that's right. Uh, you know, you're, you're listening to all some things that I keep hearing over and over, which is the support. And that's not just the mentors. It's also your peers because it is really yeah. hard to start a company and you want folks walking alongside you, but who also open up their networks. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I guess I, Elliot will be on here and yeah. um, he, uh, I've one of I mean we had a lesson end thirty minutes early and then me and him were sitting together in the greenhouse an hour late just talking and I felt like I learned so much about how to think about um, brand formation and company formation from him. It's really incredible like what you can learn from your peers and the, the dialogue is just important. You know, so much of what you're trying to build, you just you need that social guidance and direction. It's almost like Socratic dialogue is how you get there um, mm -hmm. with a lot of these startups. So, Sure. What's been the most challenging part about building a company? Well, um, I think the biggest challenge is just the uncertainty and unpredictability that you deal with um, every step of the way. You know, we don't know if our final product is going to be successful. We don't know if um, exactly how we're going to reach customers or 
you know, a year from now, how exactly we're going to be financing our business model. Um, managing that uncertainty is very difficult and challenging. But, you know, I think the positive from it all is that like the way you overcome that uncertainty is by just keeping and maintaining a strong focus on your mission and your core values, um, being persistent, then also making sure that you have a strong team supporting you. Um, I think the great thing about CloudPad is those lessons are probably things that I've really learned from rock climbing, right? Like that's how you approach a crazy problem like climbing a boulder that is a sheer rock face that you, you can't really imagine, you know, where the first step is. Um, it feels like a lot of the lessons have translated. There's a whole lot of symbiosis between rock climbing and starting a company. So Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this issue of clarity is one I hear from a lot of uh, folks starting companies and one I've suffered through myself yeah. in starting companies. Uh, what advice do you offer to others who are struggling with that question? Well, I think that the, the trick is, um, or rather the first step is you need to find um, a mentor, a source of support. You know, for me, that was Gorp for starting a company. And I can still remember, you know, my first climbing mentor. Um, what I think a lot of people don't tell you is in order to find that first mentor, though, you need to put in work as well. So you're not going to get there alone. But the way you earn that trust and build that credibility with a mentor to make that a productive relationship, you, you need to be willing to take that first step. And um, it's challenging and it certainly takes courage. Um, but it's important to know you don't have to get all the way by yourself. You just need to take those first few steps. And more often than not, you'll find someone to help you get to where you're trying to go. Cool. Well, that is sage advice. I have one last question. All right. Um, and this question is what I like to call a hashtag because Bentonville question. Tell me a story or a moment that happened where, you know, you look at it and you think that could only happen here in Bentonville or it describes the essence of this place. Yeah. Um, one of the really cool things about Bentonville is um, it's just, it's such a small place with so much going on. And uh, when I first moved here, um, one of my coworkers reached out to me because he'd known I was interested in trying to get more involved in the climbing community out here and hadn't really found um, my pack yet. And he sent me a really interesting article about a local Northwest Arkansas entrepreneur who started up a rock climbing company that made mm -hmm. ropes. Um, so I'm sure you know him, Pedro from La Caida. Absolutely. And uh, Pedro, I found him on LinkedIn. I connected with him. And like a week later, we were at Climb Bentonville together. Um, he's a phenomenal climber. And he really was one of the people who just made the transition to me for me so easy coming here. And, you know, two and a half months, three months of climbing later, I don't know if you've been in a room with <laughs> Pedro for a while, but it's hard to not have ideas bouncing off each other. Uh -huh. And I mean, I've, it, in so many ways, it feels like CloudPad started itself. Like it was an inevitability if you're in a room talking to him and, uh, you know, the, everything we're building, it, it was, it would only be possible with him. And at the same time, like when you're in Bentonville, you, if you're interested in climbing and, you know, you're startup minded, you're going to bump into Pedro. Um, yeah. So that's my only Bentonville story. And it just, it, I can't believe how quickly it happened. And yet, you know, it, it happened in no time. So. 
Yeah, you bet. Well, we, we've had Pedro on the show. Yeah. His energy is infectious. He is a guy, like you said, you hang around long enough, not very long, actually, and you're going to start having some uh, amazing ideas uh, flowing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing to me how this community looks out for people immediately when they get here or before they get here and start connecting them to their, their tribe, yeah. uh, so to speak, so that they can uh, really live their best lives. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. I appreciate you sharing your story and look forward to seeing what you do. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Let me introduce you to Marley Blonsky. Marley is the co-founder of All Bodies on Bikes, and she is a true trailblazer of the body size inclusion movement in the cycling world. Marley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Well, glad to have you here. Yeah. Will you share with the Bentonville Beacon audience, what should they know about Marley Blonsky? Oh, goodness. There's a lot. Uh, <laughs> so I'm new-ish to Bentonville. I moved here about a year ago from Seattle. Um, and like you said, I'm the co-founder of All Bodies on Bikes, which is we just filed for our nonprofit status, which is really exciting. Um, but basically, it's a it's a movement to make cycling more inclusive to people of all sizes and shapes. Um, so I myself am actually a professional cyclist, which feels crazy to say because I've never won a race. Like I don't get paid to go fast, but I get paid for inclusion work. Mm -hmm. So giving talks, leading rides, doing advocacy work. Um, and that is basically what led me to Bentonville. Um, I was in Seattle and working in corporate America for about 12 years and COVID hit. I still had my job, but We'll get to this, I'm sure, but there was a film that was made about me called All Bodies on Bikes. Oh, wow. And when that got released in, I guess it was March of 2021, it was kind of a rocket ship of um, opportunities and publicity. And I realized I could make this my full-time gig. Um, so after some logistics and figuring out where in the world I wanted to move, I landed here. And now this really is like my full-time everything. That is cool. Well, I, I have to know, how did the film come about? Oh, gosh. So we were doing uh, body size inclusion work. So giving workshops and talks and um, because it's a, it's a growing um, topic of concern. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of folks realize that cycling is this amazing activity for health, for mental health, for community building, for transportation. Um, but it leaves a lot of people out. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't fit into the Lycra and look like you could go race and be really fast, you might not feel like you're a cyclist. I do find they're a little bit small for me. I mean, me too. Um, and so we'll get into that. That's kind of, oh, good. <laughs> that's why I'm on this podcast actually and why I'm in the GORP program. But basically, um, we were going to, me and my co-founder, we were going to go to Washington DC to give our presentation and at the League of American Bicyclists National Summit, COVID hit. Um, we ended up doing our presentation virtually and a filmmaker heard our story and said, this is really compelling. We want to tell this story. And so he uh, got funding from Shimano and that was kind of the beginning of it. Wow, that is so cool. See, lots Thank of you. great things came out of the uh, pandemic. Definitely, and yeah. in very unexpected ways. I love it. Uh, before we talk about All Bodies on Bikes, let's talk about that transition from Seattle to Bentonville. I mean, how did all that come about and what? how did you end up here? Yeah, so I was introduced to Bentonville because of the UCI Cyclocross World mm -hmm. Championship that was here. Um, so as part of my work with Shimano and Cannondale and a couple other brands, um, I had the opportunity to come down here and I was connected with the hashtag because Bentonville Sounds influencer familiar. campaign. Yes. So I came down here, um, the cyclocross or the bike race 
was in Fayetteville, but because I was doing influencer stuff for Bentonville, it was like, no, I should stay in Bentonville and check out the trails and check out the momentary. And I came here and I was like, I love it here. Like, and I'd already been looking to move out of Seattle, but you know, I was looking at places like Portland and Kansas City and places that have a strong bike culture, but a different kind of bike culture. Um, and when I came here, you know, honestly, Arkansas was not on my radar. Um, but once I got here, I also heard about the Life Works Here grant. Um, and I was like, well, I might as well throw my hat in the ring. I can work remotely. I work mm-hmm. for myself. And then kind of the rest is history. Um, while I was here in January, I was riding around downtown Bentonville, kind of getting the lay of the land and going to Onyx and all the cool things. And there was a house with a for rent sign. And I had no idea if it was going to be in my budget, but I was like, I'm just going to call and see. And turns out it's the best little house. And I live in downtown Bentonville. And yeah, I think once my landlord figures out that he's sitting on a gold mine, it might change, <laughs> but fingers crossed, you know, I've got a garden, I'm taking care of it. And really proud of my little, my little rental. <laughs> Uh, well, that's fantastic. It's funny hearing somebody come here from Seattle and say, I don't know if I can afford. Oh, never mind. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I am still able to afford it. Um, but things are changing rapidly. That's cool. Well, talk about All Bodies on Bikes. What's yeah. So, up with that? like I said, I, it's a nonprofit, but um, the reason why I'm in the GORP program is because one of the needs that we continually heard over and over again through this community is we need clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you can ride bikes wearing anything. I rode bikes today wearing this dress with a pair of shorts on underneath. You can ride in jeans, but those bike clothes have a specific purpose and you're going to be a lot more comfortable in purpose-built clothing, whether it's for mountain biking or a long gravel ride or a road ride, you know, having that padded short in the Jersey, especially down here in the Arkansas heat and mm-hmm. the humidity. Um, but they don't make it for people in bigger bodies. Um, you know, they usually tops out around size 3X, um, which if you've ever put on biking clothes is more like an XL in regular clothing. Um, so I had this idea um, and kind of this need that my community was telling me is like, we need bigger clothing for the outdoors. Um, so that's what I started with. Uh, <laughs> did a lot of customer discovery and that really kind of confirmed um, the challenges that I anticipated, you know, not having clothes, not having rain jackets, not having technical gear. So uh, mountain bike, like knee pads or elbow pads or chest protectors, basically anything you need to go outside. If you live in a bigger body, it doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get sweatpants, you can get t-shirts, but technical gear just doesn't exist. So I applied to the GORP program to make um, bigger clothing for, excuse me, outdoor clothing for bigger bodies. Um, but as I got down the process, you know, thinking about design and sourcing and manufacturing, um, my idea shifted a little bit Okay. or I should say a lot. Um, and I still think that technical clothing needs to happen. I just don't want to be the one to do it. I think the reality, the economic realities of starting an apparel business in 2023 are incredibly challenging. Um, you know, as we were going down the line with our company, um, we were looking at making it in the US, USA, um, you know, ethically sourcing fabric and recycled materials. And just the price point got to somewhere where I didn't feel comfortable asking my community to pay that. Um, so kind of went back to the drawing board. So what I'm doing now with it is consulting because um, there's a lot of brands who are already making great clothing. You know, Pearl Azumi, Rafa, Gore, so many brands. If we can convince them of the business case to make bigger clothing, I think that is where we're going to have the biggest impact because we're not trying to reproduce supply chains and, you know, startup manufacturing from the ground Mm -hmm. up. So that's one element of it is kind of consulting work. Um, And then the other side of it is I want to be like the REI for 
plus size people in the outdoors. Because one of the things that we heard through customer discovery is it's more than just cycling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's climbing, it's skiing, it's um, snow gear, it's boating. Um, You know, you think about all the different items you need to go outside comfortably, whether it's a life jacket or a climbing harness or even ski boots. Um, They need to be adapted for people in bigger bodies. Um, And there's a lot of companies out there doing it, but it can take a long time to find that. Um, So basically, I want to create a technology solution that aggregates all the different brands together who have this offering. Um, So that way, you know, if you're looking for a pair of snow pants, you don't have to go to 10 different websites to find the pair that's in stock that fits you. You go to our website. I have no idea what it's going to be called yet. Uh, (laughs) I'm a big fan of transparency. I think it's really uh, helpful just to be honest about where you're at. Um, And, you know, I I definitely am going to need help with this. Um, But um, yeah, aggregate it all together. So that way you can one-stop shopping. Um, But we're not actually holding any of the inventory. I just got to figure out how that actually works in real life. Yeah. So I guess where to find outdoor stuff for biggerbodies.com yeah. is probably too lengthy. <laughs> it's good SEO though. Oh yeah, totally. Um, no, it's funny. I actually, I do have a name that I'm sitting on and I love it. It's called Cavell Outdoors. Um, so I'm Jewish. Okay. And as I was thinking about a name for the clothing company, um, was kind of playing around with different Yiddish words and um, everything kind of kept coming back to you know, curvy chic or curvy cycle. And I didn't want that. I wanted something that stood out on its own. And so came up with the name Cavell, uh, which means to feel delighted. Um, and that's really what I want to evoke from people when they find the site or they put on clothes or, or you know, find that there is stuff for them. I want them to feel delight. Um, and then just, you know, not limiting ourselves to the bike world, even though that's like my primary passion. There's so much opportunity. Um, I mean, you look at, basically any sport, kayaking, football pads, anything like bigger bodies need bigger stuff. And that industry really isn't being served right now at all. That's a lovely name. You should roll with it. I'm working on it. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Very cool. Well, how is GORP helping you out? It has taught me so much. Um, So my degree is in gender studies. Um, I'm one of those awesome millennials who was told major in what you want to and the rest will just come. It kind of works like that, but not really. Uh, (laughs) And so I have almost no business acumen or knowledge whatsoever, especially when it comes to the startup world. And so when I first met with Phil, I was so intimidated because, you know, even words like customer discovery and uh, minimum viable product or just all these things, I had never encountered them. Um, You know, I worked in corporate America, but I did sustainability. You know, I can calculate your carbon footprint all day long. Um doing a startup, I have no idea. So GORP has really kind of given me the framework, um, the language, the tools, um, but I think most importantly, the resources. Um, Because, you know, I just told you I switched my business model eight weeks into the program. Sure. But all those steps that we had gone through, you know, from customer discovery up through, you know, what is the size of the market? What does this look like? Those still apply. Um, So I think it really just got me off on a good foot to kind of go down this path and figure out if it's a viable uh, market opportunity. And who knows, I might get down the path with this Cavell Outdoors as the aggregator and say, oh, let's tweak it a little bit more. But GORP has really opened those doors and shown me there's a whole community of folks who are in this world and it's a really collaborative community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that's very cool. I, I love hearing this story. Um, you know, I, a lot of people get into the, to accelerators I've seen a number of people get into accelerators and be afraid 
in the short window that they have to actually pivot and make a legitimate hard pivot. Yeah. Because they're afraid they're going to fail. They're afraid they're going to be seen as failures. But you've made the pivot. You're like, no, this doesn't work. So we're going to do this. Well, I tend to be pretty impulsive um, and I follow my gut. And about four weeks into it, as I was going through customer discovery and thinking about design and you know, going to trade shows, it just didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I could really create a quality product, mm-hmm. you know, clothing that I could stand behind and sell to people. And so it was like, I'm not quitting Gorp. Like this is such a valuable um, resource and I'm learning so much, but like this idea still has merit. Let's pivot. I think it also helped that one of my um, cohort team members, Elliot, also pivoted. Um, so just seeing, you know, what was possible and the support that was there. Um, I love the Gorp program because there's not an expectation that, you know, you're ready to go to market or you're ready to sell things. Um, so there's there's not a lot of pressure and it's more supportive guidance. Let's make this the best it can possibly be. So you don't screw up. Yeah, I do love that about GORP. Some accelerators push you too fast yeah. when if only you had a couple of more weeks. Exactly. You could be vastly better and have a sustainable company. Yeah. And it's funny so because, um, you know, Mike with Uncle Company mm-hmm. or Uncle Corp, they're so far down the path, like farther than the rest of us. We we joke that it's like, you know, they're in grad school and we're all in kindergarten, <laughs> but it's cool to see them like going to pitch competitions and winning and like seeing what the next steps could look like for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just still be in that space together and learning and like making the same mistakes together. So. Yeah. Well, that's really neat because it, it is a struggle for everyone acceleration programs. And it is a struggle for many accelerators to handle a range of where folks are on the path but addressed appropriately, like it is here, they're able to help the kindergartners, yeah. as you put them, <laughs> learn from the grad school students. Yeah, I'll guarantee you the grad students are learning from you as well. I hope so. So yeah, it's it's a really good, uh, I think it's a good format because it helps you see the path. And these folks out here are probably also talking with you about their war stories. Hey, yeah, I had exactly that problem or here's what I did. Totally. And there's the alumni from the previous cohorts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really ha- is a community. And it's like, these are folks that I probably wouldn't have encountered otherwise, um, but we're all working within the outdoor space in Bentonville. And so now, you know, I took my friend group. It's double the size it was. That's awesome. Okay. Got a couple of questions left for you. Uh, speaking of Bentonville, I'd love it if you could tell me a story. This is a hashtag because Bentonville story. So it's um, a moment in time or a full-blown story that happened and you look at it and you go, gee, that could only happen here. Or it describes the essence of Bentonville. Oh, goodness. Every day here is like that. You know, I go for a ride and I run into people and see them. But I'm thinking specifically about my nephew came down for spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, he's seven and he loves bikes. Everything about bikes. I'd like to think that's thanks to my influence, but mm-hmm. you never know. Um, and so he came down, spent a couple of days with me. And in the span of two days, I think we hit up every single thing that's kid-friendly in Bentonville. Nice. You know, we went to the museum, we went to Climb, we went to the Momentary, we went to Crystal Bridges, all via bicycle. And like, yes, you can do that in other cities, but can you leave your bike unlocked outside and not worry about it? No. Can I see friends and meet people everywhere? They're like, oh, you're Marley from All Bodies on Bikes. Actually, yesterday I was just sitting at the Meteor and I told this woman, I was like, hey, I really like your top. It's cute. And she goes, you're famous. And like, that's very much like a because Bentonville thing where you're just hanging out, having coffee or beers and uh, people are coming here specifically to ride bikes. And because they've seen my posts on Instagram, Mm -hmm. they plan their visits here and then they run into me. Like, that's very much a because Bentonville thing. Like living in Seattle, it wouldn't have happened like that. 
Very cool. Um, yeah, wow, that's a great story. I love it. <laughs> uh, next time, make sure to also take him to the Museum of Native American History. Yes. That is really cool. I really want to go there. Yeah. My, I ride my bike by there sometimes, and I really, really want to go. Well, it's free, just like everything Crystal else. Bridges and everything else, which it's, is amazing. It's so mind-blowing to me. Like, I, I just spent a week in D.C., um, and a lot of stuff there is free. But you have to have a ticket. I mean, some things around here you have to have a ticket for, but it's just such a bigger production. Like here, you can literally just walk in mm-hmm. and check out the museum, you know, see world-renowned artists, like the resources and the trails and um, even Kohler, you know, yeah. I it's become like my local go-to place to ride, but friends come in from out of town and they're just blown away. And I, I go back to, you know, my very first bike ride in Bentonville. Um, we went down through Kohler past Airship and I'm, I took a photo in front of that Paradise Found sign mm-hmm. at the barn. And I was just like, this is heaven on earth. Like, I'm not a religious person, but I've found my place. And like, it continues to amaze. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> Very cool. So, okay, last question. What would you say to folks who haven't experienced Bentonville yet, or they're ready for a change of scenery, or they want to start an outdoor rec company? Yeah, come, check it out. You know, park your car, get mm-hmm. on a bicycle. And that's the way you're really going to experience Bentonville. Um, You know, the people, the sights, the smells, the sounds. Give yourself four or five days here um, and just take it in. You know, walk around the square, talk to people. um, Go, if you're, especially if you're an entrepreneur, check out what the University of Arkansas has. uh, Check out all the resources that the Waltons are providing to our community. Um, And don't be afraid to ask. There's such a wealth of resources around here um, that I think a lot of us don't even take advantage of. this is, it's going to sound like a, not, not related, but I promise you it is. I checked out a telescope from the library the other day. Did you know that they have a library of things? I did not know you could check out a telescope. Can, I knew they had a library of things. Yeah, so they've got multiple telescopes, uh, fishing poles, GoPros, like everything. And I feel like that's just a good metaphor for everything that's here in Bentonville. It's like, what's your interest? Okay, there's something that's there to help incubate it and grow it. And honestly, there's probably an opportunity there to like do something even bigger with it. That is a great way to close this out. Watch your interest. Come on. Thanks, Marley. Thank you. Let me introduce you to Elliot Jackson, the founder of Reggie. Uh, Elliot is a professional cyclist, and he's also a racer and a brand ambassador for Santa Cruz, which I really appreciate as a Santa Cruz tall boy owner. Now I need to be the writer of that tall boy. Uh, he's also executive chairman of Grow Cycling Foundation and much more. Elliot, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, super cool to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. So uh, what should our audience know about Elliot Jackson? Yeah, I think... The bike has been this like huge part of my life for forever. Uh, grew up in in Oklahoma, actually. Started racing racing downhill bikes when I was maybe eighteen, and then I I spent ten years on the World Cup circuit. You know, traveling around. Um, you know, was top ten at one point in the world, which was really cool. And then kind of transitioned out of that into all of the other interests I have. So you mentioned gross cycling. Um, the bike giving me so much, I wanted to kind of say, what does it look like to give back, to allow this thing to affect more people in the world? Uh, and entrepreneurship has been a big part of me and my family. So it's cool to kind of get to do that through the bike in so many ways. Oh, that, that is so cool. Now now I feel 
really embarrassed by admitting that uh, I don't ride as much as I should with my bike. Uh, <laughs> that sounds amazing. I mean, how, how did you get into downhill? How do you get into racing to begin with? I mean, it's so serendipitous. Um, also race motocross. Okay. And, and so my brother and I, we race motocross, but then also had, uh, we would ride dirt jumps on our BMX bikes, never race BMX. Um, but on those dirt jumps, I just happened to meet a mountain biker and he convinced me to go to Whistler in Canada, which is kind of one of the meccas of downhill mountain biking, mm -hmm. right up in a ski lift. And then you ride down only downhill, which is amazing. And um, I fell in love with it. And he, again, happened to just be into racing, showed me some World Cup videos. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to travel the world. I want to go to these really cool places. You know, most of the races are in, in Europe. There was some in Australia, South Africa, and uh, just getting to compete um, and kind of pursue that was really, really cool. And that's living the dream right there. <laughs> well, I, I laugh now because like people, people would always say that you're like, oh, professional athlete, you're living the dream or whatever. And I'd be like, it's kind of, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> and, and now I, um, I do commentary for Red Bull. And so I get to go to those like kind of same races and just talk about how my friends should be doing way better. And if I was on the track, I would be not making that mistake or whatever. So um, it's been cool to kind of do that transition as well, where I was behind the tape doing the racing and now doing the commentary uh, as the expert kind of explaining it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't even mean to make light of it at all when I'm like, oh, living the life because I know there's a lot of no, hard yeah, work sure, and so sure. on. And, and I'm going to just make a guess here. I, I'll tell you in my past, in my professional sales life, I traveled all over the place. At one point I was traveling, flying 150,000 miles a year which is really crazy. And people are like, oh, that's so cool. You travel so much. You no, get to no, see all no, these no, places. No, 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 no. I don't get to see these places <laughs> at all. I see the airport. Right. I see the hotel room. I see the, like the venue. And then I see the airport. <laughs> I, I've actually done the thing where I had to open up the curtains to my hotel room to see where I was. <laughs> one time I opened them and went, Oh, the space needle. And I went back to sleep. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the one that happens a lot is like, you forget ho which hotel room you're in. You oh, like yeah. go to the hotel room that you were in last week or whatever. Oh, in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, uh, talk to us about Reggie. What's your company all about? Yeah. So, um, you know, having all of this experience on the bike, getting to talk to so many people, I kind of had this, uh, this experience where it's like, no matter where you go, you're kind of wondering what you can do. Um, so I also spend time in California and I come here and even though I'm, you know, as engrossed in the sport as I could possibly be, I don't know what's going on in Bentonville. And that's kind of, you have to regain context no matter where you go. And, and so I was kind of thinking like, how do you fix that? Right. How do you provide this place where the discovery is super easy for the cyclists? Um, and then also kind of providing this platform for the entrepreneurs in cycling, the race organizers, the coaches, um, the guides and things like that to be able to connect. And so that's kind of where the idea came from is like, how do you bridge these gap and give tools to uh, the entrepreneurs of cycling and then discovery for the people who are riding the bike? Oh, that's so cool. So I, the, uh, the, the company then um, somehow you found Gorp, right? So totally. will you talk about that? Talk about Gorp, uh, how it has helped you sort of shape your business and, and, and really helped you? Yeah. I mean, like the path to Gorp was so fascinating. Um, just discovering Bentonville in general, um, came here, met Gary Vernon, who works for the, uh, Walton family foundation on kind of like doing everything bike. And, uh, then uh, got introduced to this ecosystem 
And to me, like the intersection between entrepreneurship and cycling and really the outdoors is Bentonville is unique in the world. Like I've been so many places and there's nowhere that those two things intersect as much as they do here. Um, met Phil at the Gort program and Sarah Goforth and like we started talking and it's been actually, um, you know, just like a couple of almost a year, over a year until like I could carve out a section of time where I could just be here full time. Um, but it's been amazing. It's called cool. somehow I knew Gary Vernon's name was going to come up in this <laughs> yeah, conversation, especially back when you started talking about bikes and BMX. Yeah. And like, Wait a minute. Yeah. So, some of these things sound familiar. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's cool. Like with the Gore program, um, just having that cohort model. Uh, and so everyone's doing a, a different company, right? It's like not all cycling, there's climbing, you know, there's apparel, there's all of these different things. Um, and so I think for me, just being able to focus on it full time, um, you know, we all, all of us are, you know, still working and things like that. Um, so that's been really cool to just be able to say, let's focus on it full time, get these resources, get the mentorship, um, get the camaraderie and all of the things that come with that. It's a really cool program of just how to be an entrepreneur and also just, uh, the learning and like true, like acceleration of, of whatever you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's so cool. I mean, we were talking about before this show about a lot of accelerators teach you to pitch. They yeah, teach you to totally. raise money, but they don't yep, teach you yep. how to operationalize right. your company. <laughs> yeah. Once that's, you raise all this money and like do all these meetings, like the actual thing is running the business. Yeah. So I, I love that, that uh, this is really focused more so there. Um, share your experiences about Bentonville and how that has helped you uh, build your business or, or get moving along with your business. Yeah. I mean, again, like the, the path to Bentonville is just super interesting. So one of the companies I'm an ambassador for is Rafa, um, and Tom and Stewart, um, you know, got involved with that company, made the push into mountain biking. And so coming here as well, like, I think there's just so many ties for me with growth cycling here, with Rafa here, with, you know, with Gary, with entrepreneurship. Um, but really like, it is just so amazing the accessibility of opportunities. Um, and I think from the outside, it can people kind of see it as like a maybe sometimes as a one-trick pony, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's the place of Walmart. But when you come here, there's it doesn't feel like that, right? Like uh there is a whole startup ecosystem. You have like one million cups where that's not the conversation every time, right? Like it, it's people supporting other people. Um, and I think that that again is is unique to have this kind of small town vibe, like community vibe, but then with the opportunity of a city yeah. uh, or a big city, like when I think of LA or whatever. Um, so, yeah. You're right. It does have that vibe. And it's, it is really cool that, you know, um, it's not all about Walmart, mm -hmm. right? Which is mm -hmm. really cool that you can have Fortune One here <laughs> totally. with all the power and influence <laughs> that Fortune One should have. Yeah. And yet at the same time, it's about mountain biking and culture and arts right. and uh, mobility, you know, yeah. whether it's bikes through drones and coming soon, totally. Um, you know, there could be who knows, flying yeah. cars and air taxis, <laughs> yeah, for sure. you know, and <laughs> and uh, just so much more in this whole ecosystem of companies and in uh, supply chain, totally. logistics, uh, retail tech. Uh, I can make a laundry list. Corporate yeah. enablement technologies. <laughs> There's so much more going on. Right. Um, Tell me, as we start wrapping up, what I'd like to call a hashtag 
because Bentonville story. That's something that could only happen here or it's a moment in time where you go, gee, that describes the essence of Bentonville. Yeah, I mean, the two that come to mind, um, there was one weekend last year where I came for uh, the Shift Conference, which is held by People for Bikes. So it's kind of one of the biggest bike conferences for the industry. All the executives come and kind of get together, do talks and, and, and kind of network. So I was here for that with Gross Cycling. Same weekend, I think the weekend before, there was the Cycle Cross World Championships. Mm-hmm. And then on that same weekend, there was uh, Outer Bike. Um, and so one of my best friends, a downhill racer, Bernard Kerr, and he, I was just like, oh, he was like, hey, are you in Bentonville? I was like, yeah, are you in Bentonville? And he was, he's from the UK. And uh-huh. so he was here for Outer Bike. And I was like, in what world are we in the same town in Arkansas like for two totally different reasons. Um, I think that that is like only enabled by Bentonville. And the other one, um, I like mentioned that access. Uh, and I think it's been really cool how open everyone is. Um, and so like, you know, getting to know Tom and Stuart, um, like, and I don't, I don't know them well, but like in what world, right. Do I get to meet these people because I ride a bike, um, and that they're just like, yeah, cool. Um, I think that those two things are just crazy. <laughs> like, it's it, so it mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned shift and the other and cyclocross and other things that were going on. We had, you know, at one point last year, and I think in about a six week period, like ten bike events and conferences and, and so on. It was it was all bikes all the time for totally. a four minute. It was pretty amazing. And, you know, we mentioned bikes a moment ago. That's not the only thing outdoors going on here yeah, either, right? Totally. Short of the uh, the ocean or snow, and I can imagine the circumstances <laughs> under which we could change sure. that. I know. Uh, there's everything. Yeah. You know, climbing's probably the next big thing. Here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that it is, uh, again, like from the outside, I think um, whatever your entry point is, it can kind of seem like that is the main focus. Yeah. Uh, but... Right. Like you said, there's climbing, you know, there's the river, there's kayaking, there's, there's all of these different things. And so I think that idea of just like, um, the idea of Bentonville as being the best place in the world to live. And like, what does that look like? Has just been like fascinating for me to see, uh, how that's, that's like actually coming to fruition, um, and being able to spend a little bit more time here. Um, so I've been here for a couple of months now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's super cool. So I think that it's, uh, it's a unique place. I haven't been anywhere like it. Very cool. Well, let's get to the last question. Uh, this is sort of the free for all. What did I not ask you that I should have asked? Um, oh, I guess, uh, you did a good job, but maybe for me, um, I, uh, I talked about Reggie, but one of the things that has happened now that I've been able to work on it full time, um, is just that I've made a bit of a pivot. And so that I talked about that idea of like kind of discovery. And so I've kind of pivoted more into the consumer side of that, um, and making an app for all of those people to discover the experiences. I think the organizers and the entrepreneurs, uh, have a lot more channels than the riders do. Um, and so I'm exploring the kind of this idea of building an app that allows you to race anywhere, um, race right outside your door, um, and really get other kind of professional athletes and influencers involved to say, here are the best routes in Bentonville, go right outside your door, compete on them, set a time, 
have that like World Cup experience where you get points and stuff like that, compete against your friend, and build build community. Um, and I think that that is a, a cool thing and kind of along the lines of accessibility where you don't have to travel and pay a bunch of money and things like that. So yeah, it's been cool. Uh, entrepreneurship. <laughs> it's, I it's, love it's it. interesting. It's very cool. I was, well, I was hoping you'd talk about the pivot and, and, and now you got me thinking, I mean, wouldn't it be neat if I could just go out my door, hop on, I, I don't know, pick a trail, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe not one that will get me upside down right now, <laughs> maybe an easier one, but, but maybe some professional riders have ridden that trail and it would be neat to be able to benchmark myself. Yeah. Uh, and then as I get better, continue benchmarking and see how, uh, see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that along that discoverability, like when you go to a new place, um, it would be nice to just say like, ah, here's this world famous gravel rider yeah. that lives in Bentonville. Here's their six favorite routes. Um, and now I can compete against people who are my skill level, um, and kind of improve my time, see how I'm doing all of these things without having to, um, you know, get time off work and, and all that stuff. I can just do it on my own time. So that's so neat. I love it. Hey, thanks, Elliot. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap on this bonus episode. If you enjoyed it, check out the other half of the GORP bonus series. Thank you to Phil Shellhammer and the founders who were able to join the show to share about their companies and their experiences and for giving us a peek into some of the newest innovations in outdoor recreation. And thank you to you, our Bentonville Beacon audience. You know, without you, this show would not be possible. If you will, take a moment, share this episode with your friends and colleagues and keep coming back for more to discover Bentonville's leaders and their businesses and more about Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Check out all of our episodes at BentonvilleBeacon.com and on most podcast players, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And of course, hit that subscribe button. Thanks. We'll see you next time.